Welcome to the audiobook podcast of Turing Test, book one of the AI Diaries trilogy. This is E.M. Foner, and you can contact me through Facebook or through my author website, ifitbreaks.com. Chapter 9 Why do we have to learn how to serve peas with chopsticks, Brenda complained. Have any of you ever been overseas, I asked. The four women and one man all shook their heads in the negative, though of course, I already knew that to be the case. I've found that I can learn a lot about my potential students and employees just by slipping a Red Cross blood donor form into the application package. It includes a whole battery of questions about travel and personal habits, and humans applying for jobs are so used to filling out piles of forms that they're almost happy to see a simple checklist at the end of the ordeal. I've got it, Ron said, snapping his fingers. It's European-style service, right? Something like that, I acknowledged. You can think of it as an exercise, like working out in a gym. They all nodded at the analogy I'd used because, as I already knew, the five of them were card-carrying gym members. Whoever transfers the most peas in five minutes wins $20. Do we count as we go, Sarah asked? I'll stand where I can see and keep track for everyone, I told her, sparing a smile for their incredulous looks. It's an old kitchen trick. Are you ready? I'm not very good with chopsticks, Brenda said. Can I use a spoon? Very funny. No, and if you crush any peas, you're disqualified. I don't tolerate unnecessary food waste, and we'll be serving these to this morning's guinea pigs after the exercise. Begin. Three of my waitstaff students were obviously Asian cuisine fans because they wielded their chopsticks like experts, but the other two struggled, with Brenda bringing up the rear. I stood at the end of the table counting the transferred peas, silently disqualifying Sarah after I saw her crush one between the points of her chopsticks. Other than the gentle clicks of sticks hitting the edges of the water glasses I'd put out to receive the peas, and the occasional half-swallowed swear word, the competition passed in silence. Sticks down, I instructed the trainees. They all peered around to see how their competition had done, and Brenda scowled on seeing how far behind she was. Janice wins, I announced, and handed the young lady a $20 bill. I suggest you all practice at home, and next week we'll do it again with double the prize money. I have more peas than her, Ron protested. Me too, Sarah said. Janice transferred 273 peas, Ron, while your total is 261. Sarah, I disqualified you for crushing your fourth pea, and you went on to break the skin of 16 more. Imagine if you'd been serving caviar. Who serves caviar with chopsticks, she demanded. It's the latest thing, I lied, when in fact, the Ferrides had settled on their elaborate serving rituals while dinosaurs still roamed the earth. Half of the Ferride economy revolved around food preparation and service, and they were big hirers of alien labor because, as you can imagine, serving fish eggs and other small items with chopsticks was not a common career aspiration. I'm counting, Ron grumbled, holding up his water glass and squinting at it as if that would help. Cover it with plastic wrap, put it on your tray, and drop it off at the bar when we go out, I instructed him. We can count after today's lesson, and if I'm off by a single pea, I'll give you $30. The duck has rested long enough, so everybody take one, and we'll work on your table-side carving skills. I thought they were chickens, Sarah said, lifting up one of the heavy oval restaurant plates and examining the baked bird. Careful, I warned her. There. She allowed the plate to tilt a few degrees while looking in my direction, and the duck shot off as if it were taking flight, then fell to the non-stick floor with a wet thud. Slippery, I concluded my sentence. Pick it up. We don't have any spares. 
I'm not serving floor duck to customers, she protested indignantly. You'll carve it for my friends. They're vegetarians, I told her. It isn't easy to find twenty volunteers who want to eat duck with used green peas and leftover french fries at ten in the morning. I was going to ask about that, Janice said. I thought we were going to have all of our lessons during regular business hours. You are, as soon as you get by the crushed peas and flying ducks phase. It takes a couple of days for new students to settle in to the point that they won't be in the way. I've never even carved a chicken, Daniela said nervously. The two most important things to remember are always keep the fork in the bird while you're carving and never stab the customers with the knife, I told them. You won't see this kind of service locally, but it's very common overseas. Any questions? I'm afraid to pick it up now, Sarah said, her duck looking a bit lopsided after the mishap. I took pity on the girl. Sprinkle some koshering salt on the plate. It's a different principle than melting ice in the winter, but the grit will help hold the duck in place until you reach the table. Hey, that's for her only, I warned Ron, who was holding up one end of his duck with the carving fork and waiting for the salt to come around. People are going to eat yours. Sorry, he said, letting the duck fall back to the plate. Now everybody move their duck to the tray, next to the bowl of fries. All right, share out the remaining peas between you, and don't forget your carving sets. If you see the duck sliding off the plate, it means you're not looking where you're going and it's too late to do anything about it anyway. The last thing I want is for you to try to save the duck and end up launching your carving knife into space. Got it? Now I understand why you made us practice carrying trays with tennis balls yesterday, Brenda said. And you all did fine. Spot wouldn't be happy if he knew I'd taken a brief loan from the stash of tennis balls he kept in my office, but I was careful to put them back exactly where I found them. Remember, elbows in, keep your palm under the tray, and let it rest on your shoulder if you feel it's too heavy for your wrist. I shepherded my flock of students out into the dining room and guided Sarah to the table where Helen and Stacy von Hoffman were sitting with Justin. Paul was apparently running late. The volunteer diners who were equipped with lungs held their collective breaths as the students lowered the trays onto the folding stands which had already been placed by each table. In most parts of the galaxy, restaurants deploy floating trays that are basically underpowered hoverboards, but folding stands get the job done as well. Did you drop the duck? Stacy asked immediately. Sarah turned bright red, but I whispered in her ear, Don't admit to a health department violation in front of witnesses. You never know who may be recording video on their phone these days. I was just kidding, Stacy reassured the mortified waitress. Is this your first time doing fair-eyed table service? Yes, she answered, carefully turning the tray on the folding stand so the duck was in front of her. There, who wants what? I'll have three peas, Justin said. If you can balance them all on a french fry, that would be good. Sort of like an abstract representation of people in a canoe, Helen said. I'll have to suggest food as a medium to my artist roommate. You're making me nervous standing there, Sarah hissed in my direction after placing a fry on Justin's plate and failing several times in a row to balance even a single pea on its surface. You can make little indentations to hold the peas with the point of your chopsticks, I muttered, before moving off to see how the other students were faring with our real customers. Morning, Mark, the lieutenant said when I approached one of the police tables. Nothing we like more than duck in the morning. If I have to pay for this, I'm filing a union grievance one of the patrolmen drafted into guinea pig duty, warned the lieutenant. I'm already using up my break time for this. It's on the house, gentlemen, I informed them. Grimacing as the sergeant reached over with his tablespoon and served his own peas. Just tell Daniela what part of the duck you like.
Dark meat, the lieutenant said. I'll take a drumstick and a thigh. Together? Daniel asked nervously. That'll be fine, he told her. My student studied the duck for a moment and then turned the plate, positioning the knife to separate the back of the bird from the front. You have to cut at the joints, I told her, gripping the top of the blade near the handle between my thumb and forefinger and guiding it into the right location. Use the tip of the knife to separate the skin between the breast and the thigh before cutting deeply. And you're poking big holes in the breast. Move the carving fork back to the stomach cavity. Trial by fire, hey? The second patrolman at the table commented. I would have thought you'd have plastic birds out back to practice on, like a kid's toy. I've tried looking online without any luck, I admitted, and then continued with the instructions. Cut the skin between the breast and the thigh with the tip of the knife, that's right, and now turn the blade a little to force the joint open. Carving fowl is different from carving a roast in that you rarely cut straight down with a sawing motion. It's more about finding the joints and plating the pieces. Go gently with the knife. If you have to push hard, you're on a bone and not in the joint. She looked up triumphantly as the thigh with the leg fell away from the duck. Perfect. In a different type of table service, you would carve the whole bird and move the pieces to a platter before serving, but we're working without the intermediate step. Just open up the joint between the drumstick and the thigh before moving it to the customer's plate. I stick the knife in here. Try to imagine a line extending from the bone at the end of the drumstick, the ankle, running straight up, and another line coming through the end of the thigh bone. They meet at the joint. Just probe for it with the tip of the knife and cut through. You should feel a little crunch. Try to leave the skin as intact as possible. This step just makes it easier for the customer to manage. Daniela wore an intense frown as she prodded for the joint, but eventually she got it and put down the knife. Here you are, she said, stabbing the duck's thigh with her carving fork and brandishing it like a trophy before extending it out over the lieutenant's plate. She gave a little shake to see if it would slide off on its own, but one of the tines was up against a bone. Okay, one small criticism, I told her. You should serve with the carving fork under the piece and use the gravy spoon to hold it in place. Got it, she said, and then used the back of the carving knife to scrape the duck off the fork and onto the lieutenant's place. He playfully fended away the point of the knife with his own. What did you just do wrong? I asked her patiently. I got the duck stuck on the carving fork. And what did I tell you about pointing knives at the customers? Oh, sorry, she said, still holding the knife in her hand as if she were considering a sudden lunge. Who else wants some of this? The four policemen raised their hands in mock surrender. I glanced around the dining room to check on the progress of the other students and then called a temporary halt to the proceedings. Everybody over here, please. No, just the students, not the diners, I had to add, as sixteen chairs scraped back from the tables. This will only take a minute. Daniela, you're going to demonstrate to the others how to separate the breast and the wing from the carcass. I've always seen it sliced in place, Ron said, and the others all backed him up. That's fine for turkeys or other large birds, but we serve young hens and ducks in quarters, I explained, and then began to coach Daniela through the process. Find the soft bone at the center of the breast and run your knife alongside, but gently. You don't want to cut through the ribs. That's right. Use the side of the blade to separate the meat from the carcass, and now follow along as the ribs curve out. Very good. Does everybody get it? So we can't serve slices even if the customers want us to? Sarah asked. The customer isn't always right, I told her. As waitstaff, it's your job to present them with options, not to cater to every whim. When in doubt, think of what a French waiter would do. 
I thought the customer was always right, Daniela said as she moved the breast to the closer patrolman's plate, holding it from below with the carving fork and keeping it steady with the tablespoon. That's because your previous job was in retail. Food service is different. The phone vibrated in my pocket and I pulled it out for a quick peek. It was a text message from Ebeth, who knew better than to call me when I was teaching a class. Somebody was at the front door of my apartment fiddling with the lock. I texted her back to stay put and not to open the door before I got there. Sorry I'm late, Paul announced himself, slipping past me and taking his seat with the other team members I'd drafted to make up the number of tables. Floor duck again? You're just in time, I told him, and addressed the room at large. I want to thank everybody again for coming and to remind you all to save room for dessert, which I'm sure is the reason most of you are here. An emergency just came up with my other business, but Paul will be standing in for me and completing the lesson. Paul? You owe me for this, he grumbled electronically. Let's have it. I dropped a massive data dump including everything I knew about dessert service on him and made a beeline for the door. Behind me, I heard him saying, Looks like Mark started you all off on ferride service. Now let's imagine for a moment that your customers are all octopi. This concludes Chapter 9 of Touring Test by E.M. Foner.